This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are we all? I hope you're keeping safe. Hope you keep well. I hope whatever you're listening to this guy stopped me in Costco the other day and said, I walk my dogs listening to this podcast, whatever podcast you listen to, whatever you do. We really, really, as always, appreciate your support and appreciate you uh, downloading us and listening to our stuff as well. Alleluia Rouge again as well, and everything under the blood red um, uh, umbrella. Thank you very, very much for that. Onwards and upwards with the mighty Reds. Uh, it's been a fantastic start to the season. I am joined by two of the big hitters of the Liverpool Echo. Uh, Theo Squires. Theo Squires, who you won't know this because we don't film these, but uh, is back in the office. He has he is no more homeschooling for him, no more homework for him. Uh, he's back in the Echo first floor office. How's it going, Theo? Yeah, it's strange. Uh, strange being back in the office, but it's strange wearing smart shoes again as well. Like yeah, I think I bought these ones when Devon's went under. I take it. Are you dressed yeah. down as well this time? Dressed up, shirts on, smart shoes. No, no tie. Not gone that far okay. yet. Got to ease back in. But, but definitely but, trousers. Yeah, definitely smart trousers. <laughs> it's an adjustment, but we'll get there. It's an adjustment. Hannah Pinnock is also joining us. She's still in the comfort of her home. How are you, Hannah? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Well, plenty to talk about. Um, I spoke in a previous podcast about the upcoming six games. I mean, every game's tough, let's face it. But the upcoming games that we had um, started with Brentford, which, you know, you'd have put your house on as getting some sort of results. Although the way they're playing, it's incredible. Um, a great team to watch and brilliant entertainment for the fans. Uh, and then we had some really, really tricky ties, obviously. You know, the Man City one we've we, we've we've gone through. We looked at some of them, and, and I think we said before, and I think, Theo, you were on it, and Hannah, possibly, that um, a draw would be great away against uh, Atletico. Well, we did more than that. We'll talk about um, the Watford game, first of all, because obviously we, we spoke after the City game on the last podcast. And, and more importantly, let's start with, I know we've talked about it before, but let's start with this ongoing, incredible form of uh, Mohamed Salah, you can't get away from it. I mean, I did mention, I'm really glad I did actually, but I had a feeling about him. So I think after the first podcast, which was probably uh, one or two games in, I just had this feeling that he was fat, he was firing, he was hungry, he was chasing everything down. Uh, and I made a comment then that we were going to see a hell of a season from him. I just felt like that was going that way. Theo, we are seeing so far um, a season and a half from him. He's just been phenomenal. I mean, the goal against Watford, which was just, you know, um, more or less the goal against City, if not a little bit more beautiful in its design. Um, this guy's playing out of his skin and off the planet at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's the best player on the world in the world by far at the moment. Like, no one else comes close, and it is just a joy to watch him on a weekly basis. Um, I think its standards may be similar to his first season with the club, but then that one came out of the blue. No one was expecting him to reach those heights. Since then, it's just been about consistency. And he always still surprises you, like you expected a drop off. Like he's this one season wonder that's now doing it, what, four or five years into his Liverpool career. Um, but is this his peak form? <laughs> the fact that he's such an elite athlete, like you look at Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi as these best examples of players that are reaching such standards well into their 30s. Well, if they're reaching that peak when they get to that mark, that's what Mohamed Salah's doing now. And it's one we haven't been for the pandemic. He'd be winning the Ballon d'Or this year. If Liverpool had, had a Premier League title or a Champions League title in last season, or even if the Cup of Nations had happened when it was supposed to in the summer and Egypt had a good run, 
there wouldn't be any doubt in my mind that he'd be winning the Ballon d'Or. So you just got to hope that he can keep this up for the whole season and lead Liverpool to trophies because he's going to be a, a big contender for 2022. And it's just incredible to watch. I, I say it all the time, but he's making it extraordinary look ordinary because he's doing that often. And the fact that he can still get you off your seats like he did against Man City, like he did against Watford. Um it's just incredible. It is messy esque the way you see him standing on the ball, putting players on their backsides, dribbling through three or four players when he's got no space to do so, no right scoring goals. We saw Luis Suarez do it a few years ago, but it's, with Salah, it's a bit different. It is just elite level. And at the moment, he's very much Liverpool's what, greatest Premier League ever, player ever. You could put him right up in that equation with Steven Gerrard. He's got the title that Gerrard never had. And if he can keep this up for a year, two years, this standard, whether he signs a new contract or not, when the time comes for him to leave Liverpool, he's going to be right up there with Dalgleish and Gerrard in this greatest ever player debate because he has just been sensational. Was it £36 million for him? What a bargain. That must be one of Liverpool's best ever transfers. And you didn't really appreciate it as much at the time, but now you do. Um, there's no doubt in my mind, best player in the world. Long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. And you say, is he reaching his peak football? The problem is it's hard to gauge <clears throat> because he scored 44 goals in his first season. <laughs> so his peak form, we don't know yet. It, 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 by In that theory, you'd have to beat that kind of stat. Um, but Hannah, I mean, the, the goal against City was, was incredible. But first and foremost, the pass with the outside of the boot to, to, to Mane, which left him not to do but score. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Wait and time. But that, that goal... That goal that's now going to be called, obviously. And uh, when you can, there's, I've seen a freeze frame on Twitter when there's like five, there's five Watford players around them. Uh, and, and I'm not just talking around them. They, 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 some of them are touch tight. Some of them are right on them. And, and to think that from that freeze frame, he goes and, and scores in it from the, from the most acute angle um, is absolutely stunning, isn't it? And, and there is talk now, obviously, you know, the contract thing is going to keep wrangling on the talk now that, that he's asking for 400 grand a week. And, but surely to God, and I did mention this and I don't, I don't want to go over old calls, but we have to, in, in a sense, because he just keeps doing this. He keeps making the, the conversation pop up. Liverpool have to, have to give that man what he wants to keep him here. Surely, shouldn't he? Because if they don't, what do they do? Let his contract run down to 2023 and then, and then let him go. I mean, it, it's a no brainer, isn't it, Hannah? Absolutely. And, and when you say that goal, there's, there's at least five or six Mohamed Salah goals that come to mind. He's just that good. And, you know, he's he's doing it every week. And, and you said it there, you know, the, the club can't afford to, to let him go really under any circumstances. And you, you almost feel like a contract has got to be around the corner because the, the more he keeps doing this, the more he keeps scoring goals like that and putting in that level of performances, the the, the further that pressure will intensify on, on FSG and and the board to, to get that contract signed. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's absolutely a top priority. And out of all the contract extensions that the club sorted out this summer, that, that you know, Sal is the glaring one that that is still yet to be done. And you, you like you said, you, you can't replace him. Uh, genuinely, there is no player out there that that you can bring in that can I think emulate what he has done in this squad and you know you want him for for the next few years because if anything it, it will be more expensive to replace him when you think about the caliber caliber of player you'd have to bring in to even come close to to matching what Salah's done but 
when that when he is quite literally the best in the world right now you know it it used it, it is a no-brainer and I think there's a lot of not anxiety among Liverpool fans but as you know as a supporter myself you do almost feel that sense of unease that that what if he does go and you know I think you almost want that contract announced so you can just sort of settle down a bit and say right that's it his future's ticked off he's staying and, and we've got him and you can almost enjoy the rest of the season um just enjoying his performances and, and what he's doing without any question marks or, or doubts over his future really yeah I mean <clears throat> you know like like I said four hundred thousand pound wage supposedly what they want for wages but that's what you're going to pay you're going to pay millions and millions and millions of pounds for a player who's going to want that about Mbappe's the Harlands of the world are going to want half a million pound a week at least it would make him the highest paid but you've you know even the Van Dykes of the world and the other players have got to understand what he's doing on the pitch and, and if they want to play in a team they're going to keep winning things they, they need themselves they need to, to know that Mohamed Salah uh, is in the running to, to, to stay here. You know, if he wants to go, my problem with it is the longer you leave things like this, Theo, the more you put doubts in a player's mind um, and the more you open up opportunities. I know he, he went and had lunch in London, didn't he, with his agent just after the uh, Watford game and lots of speculation about that. He was probably, he was down to do an award to do anyway. I think he was down to do something. But, um, you know, his agents, his agents, I've never met a football agent yet who really gives a damn about the clubs they're playing at. And I'm, I mean that seriously. And I've met quite a few football agents, high-profile football agents. And, you know, it's paydays. That, that, that's that's all they care about. They've got no allegiance to any club whatsoever. So, Mohamed Salah sitting opposite his agents is not going to have his agents saying, oh, no, we love the Reds. You know, his agents could be saying, you keep doing what you, you're doing and you're going to get astronomical offers coming in. And the longer we leave this unta unresolved, the more of a, of a threat it's going to be that he's going to say, well, you know what, I'm, I might go now. And if he decides he wants to go, there's nothing we can do. Well, it's one with Salah where I don't think anyone would question when he joined in 2017, the expectation was probably you get three, four years out of him and then he goes to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona. No one expected Liverpool to leapfrog both of them and then to collapse the way they did and for Liverpool to be this elite club in the world. Um, if you'd asked me in the summer how much should Salah be on, I'd been very much on, well, the squad, we're rewarding them together. They're winning trophies, they're competing together, they've been on this journey together. You can't break the wage structure for any player. Virgil van Dijk, I think, is reported on 220 grand a week. And if when you look at about it, Liverpool got him cheap to get him onto that, considering he's the best defender in the world. Um, and you think, well, Salah, they might want to make him the highest played player in the club's history. That's fair enough. 250 maybe, that would have been fitting, that would have been in their minds. But the way he's playing now, it's all very well Liverpool going on this journey together. But he's in a league of his own. And now you're saying, yes, he deserves it. Cristiano Ronaldo is supposed to be on half a million a week. Kevin De Bruyne's going to be on similar to this supposed 400,000 a week. As you said, Mbappe and Haaland, well, Mbappe, Neymar and uh, Messi, they're going to be on much more than that at PSG. Lewandowski is going to be on something similar. These are what the elite players can demand. And it's one where Salah has every right to be expecting this wage. I think he probably knows that he's not going to be able to walk in and say, I want the same amount uh, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi get. But he knows he's at a good club for him to challenge for titles, win trophies. He can't go anywhere else in the Premier League, can't, can he? He can't go to a Man City. He can't go to a Chelsea. Um, you look at the League of Cubs. Well, if you want to win the Champions League, you have better chances winning it at Liverpool than you do at Barca or Real Madrid. The only chance he's really got is if, well, when Messi's contract's up in 2023, do you replace him at PSG? Or do you go to Bayern Munich and take the Lewandowski money when he goes at the end of his contract? 
but it's not as glamorous, is it? Like, do you want to try it in a lesser league? Let's be honest, Germany and France, it is one of the big five, but it's not the Premier League. Premier League is the best division in the world, so he's got the best platform to do what he is doing. So it's one where it's in his interests to stay at Liverpool. It's in Liverpool's interest to get it done. The debate is um, whether they can afford to get him done, but when he's playing like this, they can't afford to let him go either. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I know there are wage structures, and quite rightly so as well. I get it, and I get that the, the, the Liverpool's mechanic has never been to, to change that. But I think in 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 Mohamed Salah's case, they have to start looking at bending the rules a little bit and saying, "Well, look, we need to." I mean, shared sales alone, he's going to get back, as you said before. He's in, he's cost him thirty six million pounds. You know, his stats for this year: Champions League, three matches, five goals. Premier League, eight matches, seven goals, four assists. I mean, it's, it's it's phenomenal stats. And they're off the back of a stats are, are phenomenal anyway, aren't they? Let's face it, it's something like 100 and, 103 goals and 37 assists in 140 or 150 games. It's crazy. It's crazy stats. And, and don't forget Matt, the one game he scored, didn't score in. He, he technically did. It was a really cruel VAR decision against Burnley to take a goal off him in that one after a brilliant Harvey Elliott pass. So he has scored in every game, let's be honest. Let's bin off VAR <laughs> and just give it to him. Let's just give it to him anyway. Well, let's hope that it rumbles on and on and on and comes to a conclusion sooner rather than later that we... that we Listen, it's not it's, it's not easy. I wouldn't like to be China's organiser. But they have to... He, the more he plays and the more he plays like that, the easier, surely, he must make the decision. And I, as I said before in, in the last podcast, God help the board if they turn around and make an announcement to say, oh, he wants to go and we couldn't keep hold of him because... That is a statement of intent, isn't it? One way or the other. It's a statement of intent if you say, we need you here. We need to keep winning things in Liverpool. We need to keep Liverpool up where they belong. And it's a statement of intent equally if they turn around and say, nah, he's off because we can't afford to pay that because it tells you where Liverpool are. All right, let's move on and talk about the Atletico game. The Watford game was great. Um, you know, two great goals there. I mean, particularly Salas was incredible. Uh, some good performances as well. Um Bit worried about the, the the goal concessions we've been given. I mean, defensively, uh, Atletico carved us open twice, didn't he? And do you think there's a, there's an argument to say that um, with United coming up the weekend, Hannah, that there's um, Van Dijk and, uh, and and Matip? Did he look a bit leggy to you? Is it is it a bit worrying? Is it something that maybe you've got it? Does he start with them? I mean, you you can't not start with you with with your strongest eleven, can you? I think. You know, I'd be very shocked if he made any major changes to to the defense, especially in a game of of that magnitude. But you know, the, personally, I, I wasn't too frustrated with the Atletico game. I know, you know, the goals that we conceded weren't particularly great, and you know, we like you said, we were sort of cut open. But when you look at the sort of context of the game, you know, it was actually a really positive result, and you know. I mean, Atletico is not an easy place to go. We've we've experienced that before when they knocked us out of the Champions League a couple of seasons ago. You know, they are an incredible team, and and you do almost forget when you know you're you're putting five past Watford at, at the weekend that that there are very very incredible teams out there that that aren't Liverpool, and and we're going to come up against them at times. And we came up against one of those teams on Tuesday. So it was certainly a, a better win than what we're really giving it credit giving it credit for. Um, you know, you, you do sometimes I mean, I'm definitely guilty of it as a fan that you go into those games and you almost expect to win because you're putting, you know, so many goals past other teams. But, you know, if anything, I 
do almost appreciate those wins a little bit more so than than the games against Watford because when a game's that difficult, you're up against a team as good good as Atletico in an atmosphere like at the Wanda Metropolitano. You know, that's when you're really up against it. Like you can go into a game against Watford and and put a couple of goals past them and and then you're cruising. But you know, to to go a few goals up, to be pegged back. Um, to be a little bit on the ropes defensively, your goalkeepers having to make saves left, right, and centre, and suddenly you're really up against it. To sort of come through that with the win, you, you do almost appreciate that a little bit more because it does start to instill that sort of not invincible mentality, but but almost that mentality monster sort of thing that that that's followed the team over the last few years under Klopp, and, and we lost that last season. You felt like, you know, in our title winning season, you, you felt like we were going to win every game. And even the games where we didn't deserve to win or, or, you know, we were certainly given a good game, we'd still come through it somehow, some way. And, you know, those are the most important ones. And those are the games that sort of win you titles and, and they win you trophies. And, you know, Atletico, you can sort of definitely put under that category because even at 2-2 and even when they were you know down to 10 men you still felt like Atletico could have got something and they probably deserved to get something to be honest and they could have obviously a lot of the decisions sort of went our way but you know Atletico probably more than deserves something on the day for their performance you know for them to come from two goals down to, to be level and potentially go on to win it so when you look at the game in that context despite the defensive errors and and things like that you know it's certainly I think if anything will give give the team a huge boost going into United but then you look at United's result against Atalanta and and the fact that they came from a few goals down to win so so they'll be bouncing into Old Trafford on Sunday as well with plenty of confidence so it's one of those and you know I I know the defence sort of you know caused a few problems and you said there about Matip and Van Dijk looking a bit bit leggy but <clears throat> if anything I mean not to you don't want to scapegoat any players of course but you know the midfield if anything were was certainly what's what was bypassed for Atletico's goals and you know I think that was evident in Naby Keita being hooked at half time so um as much as you know we shouldn't be conceding goals that easily um you've got to appreciate the quality that Atletico have, but also the fact that, you know, don't get me wrong, there were a couple of moments I thought Van Dijk was maybe a bit slow to to react to certain things and those goals certainly could have been prevented. But on the most part, I think, you know, he'll certainly go with his his best defence because when you look at the the players that United do have, you know, I, I don't think you want to necessarily throw a Canate or, or a Joe Gomez into that you need your most experienced and and the players that are in form, really. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think we should we can Van Dijk can be forgiven for 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 being a bit leggy or a bit you know dubious at times, which he really hasn't been to be honest with you. But he's had his moments. He's just got back from a massive injury, and we're just expecting him to come back and be the Rolls Royce. Which I mean, ninety percent he has been, hasn't he? He's spraying the forty, fifty yard passes to people's feet. He's he's doing everything right. It's just that I think he was caught out, equally caught out, probably by. Let's not underestimate how brilliant um, the, the move was, certainly for the second goal. With um, 
as you have Felix on the on the wing and then bringing it in and lovely movement, a great first touch from um, from Griezmann and the second touch past the keeper. It was it was it was great play. I feel I have to say I feel for Naby Keita a little bit in a sense that he scores a worldie. And Naby Keita for me is the kind of player who, from the midfield, pushes forward. He's not like a Fabinho who's going to break down attacks. I don't think I ever expected him to be. If people do, or, I, or I'm getting it wrong, then maybe fair enough. But I always expected Naby Keita to be one of those productive midfield players who moves forward with a Fabinho behind him that can mop up stuff. And I, I felt like he was running all over the place the other day. I think that midfield, you're absolutely right, Hannah, was definitely bypassed. And and it, it sort of brings home again the other problem that we've we've mentioned in the previous podcast of that lack of strength in the midfield when Fabinho's not there or equally alongside Fabinho. There are times when we've been outplayed in midfield and, and that can be a bit of a concern, Theo. Um, it's one where it was a tough decision for Klopp to make, wasn't it? Like, we were at Letico, you put in Naby Keita because you wanted to attack him. You wanted to start well, and they did. They got the two goals early on. I think great, that decision's paid off. And then they lost control of the midfield a little bit. And you think, ah, damn, maybe Fabinho should have started because they don't race into a two-goal lead with him, but they don't concede the two goals with him either. Like, he makes such a difference as that linchpin in the midfield. And it's why they've got these variety of midfield options, so they can just go and make a decision game on game. Um, whether it was the right call, well, they got the win, don't they? This one with Atletico, you take any win you can get because it's such a horrible place to go. They've got this insane run under Simeone, and it's just a horrible team to face. Um, Liverpool probably owed them one a little bit when you think of how they exited even the Europa League what ten odd years ago, and then we had Champions League a couple of years ago. Do you a bit of luck against them? And who cares if the midfield battle didn't go their way when it is against such a tough team? They still got the victory done, and that's what the good teams do. They've still got so many options there. Um, it's always going to be harder when you're without the qualities of a Thiago or even Harvey Elliott when the way he's come in this season. And with Naby Keita, his biggest issue is he's not been the player we thought he'd be. But that's because we spent a year hyping him up, watching him on YouTube. We saw all these compilations and we thought, oh, we're going to get this amazing box-to-box midfielder that can get us 10, 15 goals. He can be a Gerrard or a Lampard, something like that. And he just hasn't been able to do that in the Premier League for whatever reason. Um, it's a bit harsh to criticise him for that because you think, well, if you'd signed Gini Wijnaldum straight from Holland, but you had to wait a year to bring him in and you go and watch YouTube compilations of all these goals he's scoring in Holland, even at Newcastle when he was attacking midfielder as well, you'd be getting excited, you'd be hyping up, thinking he's going to do that at Liverpool. And Gini Wijnaldum didn't. He was this more defensive-minded midfielder. And maybe that's what Naby Keita is now being merged into. But you still got to adjust to that role. Then against Atletico, it's always going to be difficult. You think, well, James Milner's not played too much football this season. Jordan Henderson, he's coming back from a lengthy injury as well. Granted, he had the Euros and that to ease his way back in. But it's one where people don't realise that um, as a number eight before this season... He hadn't played there since the derby last year when Van Dijk did his ACL. So he's got to get used to that position as well. Um, he's great as uh, playing as a number six, as an alternative for Fabinho. But you've got to have the bodies right there alongside him. And Liverpool are just limited at the moment. But then it's still great depth to have when you think, well, your front, th- your first choice midfield trio is probably what? Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson. They're only missing one there. And then they've still got an Oxley chamberlain off the bench. They've still got Naby Keita there. Curtis Jones, when he's back from injury, which hopefully be this weekend, they've got so many options. And you can say in some games, maybe they do miss a Gini Wijnaldum. He would have been perfect for playing against Atletico. But then didn't they have Gini Wijnaldum when they went Atletico last time? And they got walked over. 
sometimes just the way it goes, you, you don't turn up or you're not at your best. Um, you can criticise Naby Keita for not being this player that we want him to be, but he's still scored an sensational goal and played his part in the victory. And yeah, he was the unlucky man to be hooked at half-time, but in that sort of game, you want Jordan Henderson, you want James Milner, the integrity players, the ones that are going to get stuck in, stand up to the nastiness that is going to be thrown their way. So Klopp's got it right, I think, just because they started well, they attacked off him, that's where you want your attacking midfielder. And then he got Fabinho on as soon as he could. And Naby is the unfortunate man to miss out. But they got the result. That's all you can ask for. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, and I think Klopp was, was very clear in saying that it, it, he, there was absolutely no... He, he wasn't giving any stick to, uh, to Naby Keita. And he wasn't accepting any stick for Naby Keita. And I think rightly so. I think uh, Lamar danced past him. There's no doubt about that. He was very, very slow with that. Uh, Although, I, I, from the moment that ball went in, I said it was offside. He ran right. Of, I mean, if you're not interfering with play, when you run across the path of the, of, of the defender, offside and the keeper, uh, I don't know what is. But that was allowed to stand. Generally, a really good referee in performance, though, I think. I was, I was, quite, uh, I, I thought I was quite positive about the referee. I, I, aside from that, from that, um, from that uh, um, offside that should have been, that wasn't counted. That was a very, very brave decision. The right decision, incidentally, as well. I mean, our penalty was... Absolutely nailed on a moment of madness when you see it again in slow motion. He looks to see where he is and then elbows into him, which is clearly something that he must get away with on a weekly basis in the league, but not there. But but uh, there can't be any complaints about it. But I just thought the referee when he went to that when he went to that uh monitor, Hannah, I just thought nine times out of ten, you're not getting you're not coming back from this. But showed a lot of strength of character in in that kind of bear pit kind of atmosphere, as we've said before, with Simeone screaming constantly. Um it took a lot of guts for him to say no. That wasn't a penalty. An absolute lot of bottle from that referee. I, I, I hard to think. You know, of many managers that that are more emotional than Jurgen Klopp, but you definitely put Simeone up there. And given the way that you know, especially after the red card decision on on Griezmann, the way that Atletico players Atletico players were crowding the referee for every decision, trying to get one of our players sent off. You know, the fact that. He'd made that decision. He'd given the penalty. Suarez was stood there waiting to take it, and then to go and look at the monitor, and and you know have to decide whether or not you're going to overturn it, given how up the crowd were and and the emotion of the game. I thought I, I didn't think for a second that it was going to be overturned, and and you know I thought on the whole the referee did have a good performance. I think he got all of the major decisions right I think maybe the offside one as you said was a little bit more dubious maybe um but the red card one was, was spot on and <clears throat> I know there was a, a similar tackle in in Porto AC Milan from Zlatan Ibrahimovic a high boot on one of Porto's players quite late on in the game and Zlatan was only given a yellow um so I know there are a lot of Atletico fans on social media that that weren't happy with that, but it's it's one of those decisions that you, you can't argue with. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, Griezmann's boot was high and it was dangerous, and and it was endangering Firmino. Um, I think Firmino is quite lucky that he didn't come off quite you know worse than what he did, um, and the fact that he was able to carry on and and everything like that. So, you know, because we we saw what what Mane's high boot to Edison did and, and the injury that he had afterwards. It, it was quite horrific, really. So I definitely think Firmino was quite lucky and, and 
then on, on our penalty as well, you know, you, you see Jota get dragged down and, and you think, yeah, that's nailed on. But I mean, and then Jota basically goes up the other end and, and does a similar thing almost straight after. I, I, th- I, I can see why the ref gave it initially, to be honest. And, you know, I know they were saying on commentary that, I think you know, they were quite, they didn't expect it to be turned over because it's, it's one of those where the ref's given it and it, we're so used to that it has to be a clear and obvious error to overturn it but obviously it, it works differently in Europe and now so yeah it, it's, I, I genuinely in that moment that the ref sort of overturned the decision you just sort of thinking my god you have some bottle so um but yeah it, on on the most part I think it was the right decision but it's one of those where even if the ref didn't overturn it I wouldn't have been too upset about it because I think you know at the end of the day Jota did bring him down so you can see why the ref gave it but you know it's, it's one of those where decisions you know decisions very rarely go our way so the fact that we were given three quite big decisions in one game I think it's one of those where you'll get given three big ones in one game and then you know the United game at the weekend will probably Probably have some horrific decisions go against us. It, it's oh, Ronaldo's getting a penalty in that, isn't he? Yeah. Ronaldo penalty to win it is it's one of those. You win some, you lose some. But yeah, I, I hope the fact that we, I hope, I just hope we haven't used up all our good decisions, really. <laughs> Anthony Taylor's reference, so we haven't got a chance. Um, <laughs> the lad from Alteringham. Um, I mean, again, on them decisions, I, I think the Jota penalty was nailed on. No doubt about it. The guy looks where he is and elbows him, knocks him over. I don't think Jota brought that player down. I think Jota is moving out of that guy's way. And I think what went against the Atletico player, and I was made up it did, because they are masters of rolling around holding their shins when they want to and gest- gesticulating for, for plays to be sent off and all the kind of dark arts, we call it, don't we? Um, if you look at that again, he's halfway... The moment there's any kind of contact with Jota, he's putting his arm in the air for the, for the, for the penalty. Which I think the ref's looking at and saying, well, you're looking for that penalty. You're clearly looking for it. Jota makes a clear move to try and pull back. And any contact made is Jota trying to avoid him. So I think that, um, I think all of the decisions gave, like you're absolutely right, went, went our way, but went our way right, rightfully. And I, I think um, it was either way an, an incredible game of football puts us in a fantastic position uh, in the Champions League group now with uh, nine points. Atletico on four. I mean, that, you know, we were six and four, weren't we? And and and, and a result there, any other than the win, the win is fantastic. It just means that we can, we're not over the line yet, but it, it makes things a lot easier for us. Um, Milan on zero points, incredible kind of. There's going to be some big upset teams kind of getting knocked out, really. There's no Milan aren't the team they used to be, but still, you know. Um, PSG and City are closer than, than they were, of course, just a point between them. All in all, though, uh, Theo, uh, a result that just means that we can concentrate on other things a little bit more. Yeah, it's a result that means Liverpool are back, that last season was a pandemic-ridden fluke and that this is still the same team, same squad that won the Premier League and won the Champions League and proved that they're the very best going. Um, I don't think when this draw was made, anyone expected Liverpool to be in a position where they won three from three. You expect it to go right down to the wire the same way it had done a couple of years when you've got like Napoli in your group. But the fact that they can get this done, uh, Atletico at Anfield, well, Liverpool own one after the last um, the Champions League exit, the Europa League exit. They definitely own one in that game. Was it a draw? That should be enough to go through. Win, that should be top spot. I think I'm not wrong making going that early. 
And then you've got those two games where you can just focus on giving the likes of Tsukumi Minamino a run out, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Divock Origi. And it's what you want. Like, we've got all these players in depth at Liverpool and the, the criticism is they're not at the same standards of Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane. But we rarely get opportunities to see them and they need consistent runner games. And when you get through the Champions League group early, it can give them games. And we know they're going to get games in January with the Cup of Nations when you're going to need your Minaminos, you're going to need your Origis, your Oxley Chamberlains. They've already shown they've got quality. Like Oxley Chamberlain came in against Lesko, and I thought he played well, considering he's had a couple of iffy moments so far this season. Divock Origi was great against AC Milan, wasn't he? Minaminos only played like once, and he had a good game against Norwich. So they've got these options there. You want to be able to give them more game time, see what they can do. I think Curtis Jones is another example of this. He started the season where he's not had the best preseason and he's dropped to bottom in the midfield pecking order. Harvey Elliott's stolen his thunder. And then injuries pick up. He gets in. He's a quality player as well. And now you'd have him in the midfield ahead of Naby Keita. If he'd been fit, he could have been one starting against Atletico Madrid, scoring a a thunderous strike to put Liverpool 2-0 up, as we've seen him do against Brentford only a couple of weeks earlier. But yeah, there's so many options there. It's good for Liverpool, especially when you think how intense this title race is going to be. Like Liverpool had this tough run of fixtures, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast. Uh, United have got horrible run of fixtures at the moment when you think they've got Chelsea, City, Arsenal, Tottenham, us all in like, uh, quick succession along with Champions League games. And this is what, three teams, four teams fighting for the title. So any little break you can get, there's going to be rotation. Getting through the Champions League early to have a little bit of a break, have that relaxation and give other players a chance to show what they can do. Um, I'm all for it. But then Jurgen Klopp's not going to exactly put out 11 different players, is he? Like we've seen him before, he'll rotate a little bit. We'll give a few other players opportunities. But do you fancy saying to Mohamed Salah, now you're not starting this one? <laughs> he doesn't care what the game is, who the opponent is, what the competition is. He wants to play and he wants the score. He wants to be getting another 40-odd goals, doesn't he? Um, Liverpool have got a strong squad. It's why they've won the trophies in the past. And, and the way we're playing at the moment, you can go and win Atletico away. You can beat anyone. So long as it may this continue, uh, you feel confident with anyone they're playing, especially if they're in a situation where they can be through to the knockout stations with one or two games left. Yeah, absolutely. And towards the end there, before Salah came off and indeed Mane, you were just playing because if, Atletico are the kind of team where they're getting beat with about five, six minutes to go. They're going to start throwing legs in, aren't they? They're going to start nibbling at ankles and stuff. It's just the way they play. So it was... Um, it was a great relief to see our two front men coming off um, ready for the big game Sunday. Let's talk about the, the big game Sunday then, Hannah. Um, Liverpool in May beat them. Uh, we haven't had a too bad a, 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 a run of, of results against United of, of late. I know they knocked us out the FA Cup last year, didn't they? Well, um, we beat them in May. Um, they're definitely very, very beatable. There's something, I mean, Ollie seems to do that wonderful thing for the pool fans of, of getting just bad enough to be getting the bullet and then they win. Uh, last night was a perfect example. 2-0 down at half-time. They pull it back. Yeah, they pull it back. But he just does enough to stay in a job, doesn't he? Um, they're very, very beatable, though, United. Um, and over hands out. So, um, Harry Maguire, who's always got a mistake in him. I mean, uh, scandalous defender at times. How's he made like four last week, didn't he? He was pretty much at fault for every Leicester goal. Absolutely, virtually every goal. He's absolutely scandalous. Long may that continue as well. Al Slabhead. Um, but um, how do you see them lining up? Because, I mean, if, if we can learn one thing from, from, from Leicester and the result there, the 4-2 victory for Leicester, is that they attacked them, didn't they? They pressed them. And United don't like being pressed. But there always seems to be that lack of, 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 of full commitment against United. Like, there's always one eye on 
conceding. Do you think that? Um, do you think the Klopp is going to go at them, uh, Hannah, or do you think there's? The, I always feel like there may be a little bit of the, he's sort of being a bit reserved against them, but they, they seem to be. They seem to buckle under pressure. I know they got a great side. Look, they're a fantastic squad, but. Would you think it's 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 about the press on Sunday trying to get results? I, th- I think you know if United's last two performances are anything to go by, I think you know that would have maybe answered the question for Klopp about how how to approach the game. But I mean, United is always one of those fixtures. It, it's cliche to say it, but but form goes out the window, doesn't it? And we're always the team, the one team every season that that they decide to turn up against. Yeah, and, you know, um. <clears throat> So I, I fully, I personally fully expect a, a different United to turn up uh, to Old Trafford on on Sunday, as much as I hate to say it. But you know, I I, I wouldn't expect anything sort of less from them. But it, it's it is a very weird case at United because you know ev- everyone's saying it, but but the squad that they've got, you know, it's it's title winning worthy really when you look at the talent that they have and, and the signings that they've made and you know I know everyone's sort of saying that that Ollie needs time but he's he's had quite a bit of time I mean he's, he's been there quite a bit of you know good few years now um you know it's, it's not like he's really really early into his United tenure so um yeah I, th- I think it is a little bit sort of at the manager's sort of foot really that that they are where they are because you know he's been given the money and, he, and he's made the signings he's brought in the likes of Ronaldo he's brought in the likes of Varane he's brought in the likes of Jaden Sancho um <clears throat> you know so they they have a title winning squad but for some reason they're just not performing like one um but yeah I mean we sort of said it earlier just you know Ronaldo it's it's just inevitable isn't it that, yeah. <laughs> that there'll be some sort of stupid decision or, or Ronaldo getting a last minute penalty or something like that because that's, that's just the way that it goes but in terms of how Liverpool approach it I think absolutely you've got to press them and you've got to sort of look at what Leicester and, and what Atalanta have done over the last week to to get at them um, because they are they are vulnerable but I mean for the all of Harry Maguire's mistakes against Leicester. He scored one of the goals against Atalanta last night. So, you know, he might be a bit of a liability, but he's still a threat. And, you know, he is, at the end of the day, one of England's better defenders. So, you know, he he'll, he probably will turn up and, you know, maybe they got, maybe he got his bad performance out the way and, and you know, knowing our luck, he'll, he'll put a worldie in against us, won't he? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if there's any time to play United, this is probably the time um, because they are, they are, they're, they're just not, something's just not clicking. Um, something's not working, um, but they will go into it full of confidence, um, given that they did turn things around. And it's one of those where if if we're 2-0 up at half time or something like that, then, then they'll believe that they can put it back and get a result out of it um all these you know games tend to end up being nil nils don't they (laughs) that tends to be how it goes um but yeah I mean we we beat them at the end of last season um so you know I I think that sort of says it all that we are definitely capable um and without a shadow of a doubt we are the better team We're, we're the team in form um our players are in better form um, I know United have Ronaldo, but you know you never thought you'd say this, but Liverpool are the team 
with the best player in the world right now. So um, we absolutely should um, get a positive result against them. If anything, we should be getting the win. Um, I'm confident that we can, but it is just one of those games where you've always just got it in the back of your mind where almost everything that's happened this season doesn't matter because it's Liverpool v United and and you know, for them, it's probably one of the biggest games of the season. Um, it is their cup final, um, if you want to say. So, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting game and one that I never look forward to. Um, but I think if we can if we can beat United, I think that, you know, considering against Chelsea and against City so far this season, we've only managed draws. I think if we can get the win on Sunday, then I think that will be a real statement in the title race, really moving forward and um <clears throat> for united as well especially because you know they're already starting to fall away in the title race I, I i think it's getting to a point now where you know people aren't really considering them as title contenders i really hope i don't eat my words for saying that but um you know they are starting to fall away so if, if we are able to beat them on sunday that sort of holds them back even more um come on hannah two foot united a bit more here <laughs> I'm trying to lose balance because it's one of those that what you say can definitely come back and bite you and I don't want to be made to eat my words um but yeah I mean we're, we're absolutely the better team at the moment and you know a, a United team of that caliber should not be 2-0 down to Atalanta at half time in the Champions League if by any stretch so um the fact that they were I think sort of shows where they where they are at where they are at the moment so um yeah I'm, I'm i'm confident but that thought is sort of in the back of your mind really <laughs> it always is with a minute they are they are very unpredictable matches and and you said it right at the top there uh, <clears> that they do tend to bring their a game against us no matter what their form is they too do tend to um uh, they, they relish the game don't they but liverpool 21 unbeaten you know you've got to fancy your chances their defense is ropey they're not going to be wanting to, to to come up against Mane, but in particular most salad are they feel so do you do you think yourself personally do you think it is a, a a game that we need to attack we need to go in between them lines we need to press them um or is it one one for caution i mean i just hope he goes he goes at it with his usual attacking thing which is which is to press is this one where i can two foot them now uh, yeah, I can tell you you ex exactly what is wrong with United, and it was very obvious what they needed in the summer: uh, a number six, a defensive midfielder. If they had Fabinho or Carlo Canti, they're title contenders. They're right up there in the mix, but their midfield just isn't up to scratch. It doesn't press. It doesn't have the work rate of a Liverpool or a Manchester City or a Chelsea. Like you look at who these teams have got: Liverpool have got Thiago, they've got Henderson, they've got Fabinho. City have got Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri. Um, Bernardo Silva, Chelsea have got what Jorginho, who's had an incredible year for club and country. United have got Fred, McTominay, <laughs> Van der Beek. Yeah, yeah. Pogba is a great player, but he's not this defensive number six, is he? He's not going to press. Oh, it's the all got to be going his way, hasn't it? Like United, they, they wanted Declan Rice, they wanted this number six, they wanted this defensive midfielder, and it would have made a huge difference for him if they got it. But they didn't get it, and they decided, ah, sod it, we've got a bit of money left in the kitty, let's go and bring Cristiano back. So, didn't need him. You've got Jaden Sancho, you've got Greenwood, you've got Rashford, Cavani, all these attacking players. Martial, they forget about. They didn't need Ronaldo, they needed a number six, and that is what has cost them. Like, Ronaldo will score them goals, but it's not going to win them midfield battles, and that's where games are going to be won and lost, and that's where Liverpool and United is always won and lost. Like, you think to these great games of the past, 
You had Roy Keane and Steven Gerrard thundering into tackles against each other. Now you can have Fabinho crunching McTominay or Fred. Matic, it's not the same, is it? Like United, they've got a good team. Like we can go through their attacking players and say they're great. They haven't quite clicked because they've probably got a bit too many and there's not got that relationship yet, the chemistry. But defensively, it should be okay. Like Juan Basaka, he's not a Trent, but he's good defensively. Luke Shaw, he had a great Euros, shown what he can do. He's put that horrible leg break behind him. Maguire, he seems to be amazing for England, but a bit shaky for United. But I will come out in his defence here. They did rush him back from injury. I think after losing Varane, he has had a setback and they thought, crap, we need him. So that's probably why he was a bit poor against Leicester. But you think with a bit of rhythm, he can get back to his best. Varane's a big loss, but then he's not at his best, is he? He's not a Van Dyke. You can say this about Solskjaer. Liverpool wanted to bring in a defender that can transform their fortunes. They brought in the most expensive player and defender in the world. They bought Virgil van Dijk. Manchester United did the same, what, 12 months later, 18 months later, Harry Maguire. It's not the same. Goalkeeper seems to have settled now. Like You think with 18 months, they didn't know who their first choice was. David De Gea seems to have wrestled it back. But you go through that team and there is still a massive hole in the middle of the pitch. And that is in midfield. So it's one where Liverpool, if they press, they do what they do, which they do every single week. They should win. They should come out on top. Like Fabinho is going to be uh, loving this game. That's why he didn't start against Atletico, because he's going to be unleashed in this one. And then you've got Jordan Henderson pressing, or James Milner, or Curtis Jones, or uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita. And they're against players that aren't as mobile as them, who aren't going to put in that work rate, aren't going to be pressing. They, they should come out on top. And if they win the midfield battle, they start strongly, they should win this game. But as we're saying, it's Manchester United. It's Anthony Seller as referee. It's Cristiano Ronaldo up front. It's Old Trafford. 89th minute penalty. Cristiano Ronaldo. It's going to be a dodgy one. <laughs> 98th yeah. minute, you mean? 98th. Okay, okay, okay. It's one where we've always got to have that, don't we? You can have faith yeah. in Liverpool as much as you want. But when it's this sort of game in this context, there's always that fear in the back of your head that United could uh, leave you upset. But on paper, United just aren't up scratch because they didn't solve the midfield problem. And it is something that could cost Solskjaer his job if uh, he's not careful, considering the run of fixtures they've got up, whether they can sort it in January, who knows, but it's definitely cost them a Premier League title this year. Not oh, they've won it, but title race, definitely. I, I hope Ollie stays at the wheel, maybe, because while he's at the <laughs> wheel, it's just a slow puncher, isn't it? It's not quite the wheels coming off, but it's a slow puncher down that motorway with him at the wheel. Every now and again, he does something good and does something awful. So long may <laughs> that continue. <clears throat> I think a lot of United's fortunes <clears throat> rest on Paul Pogba. I think when that guy's in form, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a worldy. He can pick out a pass and, and he can undo you in seconds. He played really, really well against us uh, when he knocks us out the cup. Uh, if he's on form, then they've got they've got chances. But if he does his, you know, can't really be bothered and, and I'll schlep it, but I'll schlep it on the pitch, then, you know, of course, Fernandez is a great player as well. They have got a great squad, but but very, very quickly before we wrap up then, um, Hannah, give me a, a score prediction, please, for Sunday. Uh, oh... I'll go two now. A goal in each half, maybe. Um, so what but... talk have you been safe and balanced? You go in Liverpool with? <laughs> you I don't feel like I'd, I've, I've got a, I've got a predict a Liverpool win. It's very rare that that I wouldn't. Um, but you know, it we, we've said it already. It it can go either way, and and you you just don't know what United is going to turn up really. Um, so if if the United of the last few weeks turns up then it, it should be quite comfortable but you know if if a rejuvenated united for a one-off game decides to turn up then 
then you never know. But I'll, I'll go. I'll go with a two nil. Just, just to, just to be safe. <laughs> Thank you very much, Theo Squires. Uh, I'm not worried about United. It's more what Liverpool turn up. Uh, if they're on on it, on form, let's keep the uh, the three away goals going. Let's say three one. Otherwise, if it's a bit more conservative, they start slowly. United score first. You, you just take the one or draw. We've seen it so many times before over the years in Klopp's reign. I think um, last year that was his first win at Old Trafford. But it'd be nice now he's got that first one to quickly get a second, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I will go for... I think there's going to be goals. I don't think it's going to be a nil-nil. It just feels like it's going to be goals. Probably in both ends. I'll go 3-1 Liverpool, but with the caveat that it's probably going to be 1-0 Liverpool and a last-minute equalising uh, penalty by Ronaldo. <laughs> because you, you can just set your clock by it. Uh, Liverpool, before we wrap up, Liverpool's next six games, I always like to say, starts off with United at a half-four kickoff on Sunday. Then we've got the uh, the uh, the uh, League Cup, Preston away. And then we've got um, Liverpool, Brighton at home. And then Atletico Madrid at home. If we can wrap that up, then, then you know, 12 points, surely... Uh, that's enough to get us through the uh, even top. Uh, and then we got West Ham away and then Liverpool Arsenal at home the 20th of November. Thick and fast, as usual. Um, thank you very, very much, Hannah. Lovely to see you again. Um, and um, one day soon, you'll be able to sit in that pod and you'll have some crushing ideas for the Liverpool Echo. Um, and uh, thank you, uh, Theo Squires, who is in the pod already. Um, yeah. Has your pasty come out the microwave yet? <laughs> Not yet, but I think, uh, what is it now? Nearly half twelve. It's probably lunchtime, isn't it? I'll go it's lunchtime, time, isn't it? What a wonderful, <laughs> easy morning that was, kids. A nice little hours <laughs> chat and then, and then lunch. Uh, thank you, Theo, and thank you, Hannah. Much appreciated to see you all again soon. Uh, that's it for another Poetry in Motion. Um, 21 unbeaten. Um, great form. They look fantastic. Uh, roll on Man United. Easy, isn't it? Uh, we'll see you again for the next Poetry in Motion soon. I've been Neil Fitz. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.